Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Red Sox here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game. Of course, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com to save 20% off your next order. And it is the last week of 2021 before baseball begins again. Spring training games begin this weekend, and yeah, they might not matter to you, but I am so excited to watch baseball again. I'm so excited. I am absolutely so excited. So if you aren't already following me on Twitter, follow me at GFSTARR1 so that you don't miss any live tweeting. Or if you don't like spring training games, you should probably mute me at this point. Today's episode, I am joined by Mike DeBate, host of Locked on Patriots, to do what we are calling a mass hole crossover. We talk about Brady, Mookie, the Super Bowl, the 2021 Red Sox predictions, Alex Cora. We cover a lot in a short amount of time, which is what we're known for here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have the most mass hole. Can I say that on this network? We have the most mass hole collab crossover today locked on red sox locked on patriots with mike debate host of locked on patriots this is both really cool but also a little bit depressing given the state of the two teams that we cover <laughs> how are you feeling mike all right right up until that point gabrielle no i'm only kidding i'm only kidding yeah it, it, it is a little bittersweet uh hosting our pods these days uh especially when you're used to the success that these two franchises have had especially over the course of the last two decades 2020 was a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of us up here in new england but we're here to get you through it and that's exactly what we're going to do today my honor to join you on the microphone i've been looking forward to this one for a long time yeah, me too. This is this is a treat. Like you said, not the best circumstances, but still fun. Uh, so let's start with Patriots, I feel like, because your season just ended and obviously ours has not begun yet. What was it like watching Tom Brady win his seventh ring with a different team? And I mean, honestly, the whole season watching Tom Brady, every time I saw him in that Bucks jersey, I was like, this feels like Photoshop come to life. And it just felt so weird. But I'm not even like a huge football fan. So I can't even imagine how it felt for you. It was surreal, to say the least. Uh, I think that's probably the most, uh, maybe maybe the most diplomatic way for me to put it. Uh, it was weird. It was just, you know, an icon like Tom Brady that has been the stalwart of this franchise for the past 20 years, you just don't expect him to see him wearing any other uniform. And I guess it was more palatable to see him wear a Buccaneers uniform than maybe some of the more rival franchises for the Patriots. I think it would have been really tough to see him wear someone else's jersey that was really a uh, a bitter, bitter rival. But at the same time, you look at the success that he had, you're happy for Tom because of everything that he brought you here in New England. And I was happy to see him win ring number seven. There's no question about it. But there was always that element of, I wish it could have been here in Foxborough. I wish it could have been with Bill Belichick, with Robert Kraft, with the New England Patriots, and watch him get ring number seven here. 
throughout the season, you looked at Tom struggling at times, and there were times where the fan base was saying, oh, okay, well, there's where Bill was right. He let go of Tom too, you know, not too quickly. He let go of him right at the right time, didn't let him linger on. But as the season wore on and you started to see Tom become Tom Brady, take a slow start and really cultivate it into something special, it became, you know, just watching old hat. It was like watching him with the pats. And the fact that he had Gronk down there with him was definitely a little bit, uh, I'm sure, more of a comfort for him. But you got to credit him in the way he, he brought that type of winning culture that he has and brought it to uh, the Tampa Bay. So in a lot of ways, I think it was bittersweet for a lot of Patriots fans. Uh, once the Pats were eliminated from competition, I think it was a lot easier for the fan base to get behind Tom Brady and say, well, the Patriots are not in this at all. Let's watch Tom win number seven. Let's see him go for it. But at the same time now, we're ready to turn the page to 2021, and it's all about this current crop of Patriots coming up. This is going to be an interesting offseason up here in Foxborough, Gabrielle. Again, I just can't imagine how it feels for like diehard Patriots fans. But then again, I totally can because of Mookie Betts, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The Bucks started the season really struggling. I feel like they were kind of all over the place for a while, just from my uh, very casual observer's eye. But there's always kind of been this argument of like, is it Bill Belichick who's made this such a winning culture in Foxborough for such a long time? Or is it the fact that Tom Brady's like the goat of football? And that was like the real question that I think people were looking for an answer to when Brady left the Patriots, because it was like, all right, now we're going to see, like, can Bill win without Brady? And can Brady win without Bill? We kind of got an answer to the latter. And I guess the former since they didn't, but I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Do you think Belichick can win without Brady? Uh, I think that Belichick can win without Brady. And look, obviously the question has been answered as to whether or not Tom can win without Bill. And I don't think it was ever really much of a question. I know the media love to cultivate it, and it's fun to talk about on sports talk radio, and it's fun to talk about either at bars or pubs or sitting around you know, at parties and having that conversation. Who's more responsible for the dynasty? Is it Brady or is it Bill? I've always subscribed to the idea that I think virtue lies in the middle, and I think these two guys accomplished what they did and as much as they did because they made each other better. Brady made Belichick a better coach. Belichick made Brady a better player. They would have had success on their own, but not the type of success they had if they weren't together. With regard to Bill, I think a lot of Patriots fans have to remember that building a franchise back up, renewing that type of dominance that you had for the last 20 years with a new quarterback, with a new uh, philosophy is going to take some time. So Bill Belichick does have a little bit of time to work with. That being said, he is considered the GOAT in terms of uh, you know coaches of all times, just like Tom is considered the GOAT of quarterbacks. He's going to have to prove that in short order, and it starts this offseason. What decisions is he going to make to try to move this team forward? Who's going to be the new quarterback? That's the biggest question here in New England. But also, how does he build the pieces around him? Patriots have a lot of questions at wide receiver, at tight end. There are still some questions on the defensive side of the ball as well. So Bill and his brain trust have to start building that foundation toward the Patriots getting back. Will it happen this season? Um, about 50-50 optimism on that. I think that they may return to some sort of prominence. I think they'll be better than they were in 2020. But in terms of them competing for a Super Bowl championship again this year, uh, I think those are really, really lofty goals. I'd be really surprised to see the Pats in that type of mix. Forgive me for being totally out of the loop on this, but do the Pats currently have 
a starting quarterback? Like I know Cam Newton was not exactly a, a match made in heaven. Do they have their quarterback for 2021-22 yet? Uh, not as of yet. Uh, right now, tech, under contract, I shouldn't say that. Right now, under contract, Jared Stidham, who was predicted to be right. the starter last year before they signed Cam Newton, is still under contract. He has two more years left on his rookie deal. So Jared is in-house. But the Patriots have not made an official decision on who the starter is going to be. There's a lot of rumors about Cam Newton possibly coming back. That polarizes the fan base. He didn't have the greatest statistical year in 2020 without any question. There's still some question marks about his physicality, his throwing motion. Uh, he didn't look sharp throwing the football, but Cam is a leader, and he's someone that team and the teammates and players will follow. If he can shore that up and prove to the Patriots that he's still got it physically, he may be one of their better options in terms of quarterback for 2021. A lot of people are talking about names like Marcus Mariota or Jimmy Garoppolo making a return, maybe Jacoby Brissett, names that are out there right now. The Patriots could be in the mix for those guys. I don't discount it at all, especially when you look at the price tag that it might take to get some of these guys, either via trade or signing them to a free agent deal. But ultimately, the big, big names out there like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, the asking price is too high. Patriots just simply don't have the capital to offer to pry those guys away from their current teams. So my best guess is that the Patriots would probably go with a veteran option like Cam or maybe one of the guys that I mentioned, draft someone for the future to get as a backup behind Stidham and have a three-man rotation this year. But as of right now, still anyone's guess. Oof, the uncertainty is, as someone who likes to know what's coming, uh, the uncertainty there just would make me so anxious. But, you know, watching that parade, we just have to talk for a second about Tom Brady throwing the trophy. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because I genuinely was terrified in that moment for that poor trophy. <laughs> I think a lot of people were. You know, the, the Lombardi Trophy in the hands of expatriates right now is really becoming a very difficult thing. We know the story right. about Gronk uh, allegedly denting the trophy a couple of years ago uh, with a uh, with a baseball swing, and now Tom is tossing it off of a boat like it's, uh, you know, something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. But uh, all kidding aside, uh, I think, you know, in a lot of ways you saw uh, a little bit more of an open Tom Brady uh, this year uh, in terms of social media interaction, uh, in terms of uh, the freedom to be able to, I guess, express himself a little bit more. Uh, Gronk had talked about that as well. For everyone that thinks that the Patriots run this puritanical system up here, they don't. It's just a different way, a different method of doing business. And I think you're seeing a different side of Tom this year. So, yeah, I was a little terrified about that as well, but uh, ultimately – it was still in good hands. I still have a lot of faith in Tom Brady in terms of the reverence he has for that trophy, what it means to him to win it, and also what it means to him uh, to, uh, to be a part of that type of legacy. So I think in a lot of ways you hear the word disrespect. I don't think it was about disrespect at all. But, yeah, it was a little terrifying to think that could have ended up near the bottom of the Atlantic. I think it was before the parade, I think it was right after they won the Super Bowl, that the Patriots official Twitter account tweeted out congratulating Brady and Gronk on winning. And I think their second tweet was like, Gronk, be careful with that. <laughs> be careful with that trophy. And then like, of course, it wasn't Gronk so much as Brady who was tossing it around like a hot potato. But this is the perfect segue into talking about baseball because I don't know if you saw this, but JD Martinez showed up to Red Sox spring training wearing a t-shirt with the now infamous photo 
of Brady being led home, you know, drunk after the parade in his like orange t-shirt. And J.D. Martinez was wearing a shirt with a photo of drunk Tom Brady on it showing up to Sox Spring. And it was just like the funniest thing because then Brady, he quote tweeted it. He's like, I'm never going to live this down. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, and baseball returns next week. And Bet Online has updated their MLB odds to tell you which players have the highest percentage of hitting the most home runs, who will be the 2021 MVPs. They've got it all. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it has free sign-up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And of course, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. They make protein bars that taste like candy bars. Each bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, but covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they come in 18 amazing nut and nut-free flavors. For a limited time only, they are giving away a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And of course, 20% off any order when you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That promo code works if you are a first-time buyer or a repeat customer. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off the best tasting protein bars on the market. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Tiger Woods is hospitalized after a car crash early Tuesday morning. Host Peter Bukowski gives you the latest details. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Are you a Red Sox fan? Absolutely. I mean, up in this area, it's a way of life. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you follow the teams that you're you're born, uh, you know, into the region and uh just like you, Gabrielle. I mean, it's 2020 was not an easy year observing the Red Sox as it wasn't for, you know, casual fans or, you know, fans on the periphery to observe the Patriots. I know that the Red Sox obviously did not put their best foot forward when it came to their final record in 2020, uh, 24 (laughs) and 36. Now, obviously, it was a situation where a COVID-shortened season didn't help anyone in Major League Baseball, and the Red Sox had a great amount to overcome. And that's something I'd actually like to ask you about because the impact of Alex Cora's return this year to New England, uh, to Boston, to me might start the rejuvenation of the franchise a little bit. And I, I don't think I'm being melodramatic because I think Alex does have that type of an impact on the players that he coaches and the strategy that he uses. And I don't mean that in any way to disrespect Ron Renicky. But Alex brings a level of respect and rapport with his players along with a big game strategy that I think is going to make an impact this year. The question is, how much of an impact do you expect it to make? How big is it to have Alex Cora back as the manager of this team? I, You know, it's interesting. In a lot of ways, I think it's huge. And then in a lot of ways, it's not as big a deal as people are making it out to be. Because you'll recall, in 2018, he came in to manage a stacked team. You know, this was a team that had already won back-to-back division titles, and they were just a couple pieces away from like that championship, that postseason team. You know, that 2017 was the first year in 20 years almost without David Ortiz. They didn't have a big bat. John Farrell was 
really circling the drain in terms of his managerial tenure. The Red Sox won that division, went to the ALDS, but couldn't go further than that. And when Cora got hired, Dombrowski had already constructed a postseason team. They weren't a deep into the postseason team, but they were a postseason team. Let's not pretend that Cora constructed it himself. I mean, that's not the manager's job in the first place, but Cora came into a very advantageous situation becoming the manager in the 2017-2018 offseason. And then in 2019, you saw him flounder a lot as a manager. He kind of had a sophomore slump. You know, he made some bad decisions in terms of not giving the starting rotation enough work during the 2019 spring training, switching Benintendi to the leadoff spot instead of Mookie, and also just kind of doubling down on those decisions as the season kind of progressed. You know, Benintendi, for example, remained in the leadoff spot until the last weekend in May, when we all knew that that was an experiment that should have ended in April, early April. You know, you saw questionable bullpen decisions, which isn't to say that he's not a good manager. I really think that he's incredible at connecting with his players and really getting a lot out of his players and helping them. I mean, he turned Rafael Devers into an MVP candidate in 2019. From a guy who had made something like eight errors in the first two months of the season, he turned him into a guy who was a strong AL MVP candidate. But he's far from a perfect manager. I don't even really think that those exist. I think. It'll be interesting to see what it's like for him now, because with Chaim Bloom, this is the other aspect of this. And I know this is a really long-winded answer, but Chaim Bloom is different from Dave Dombrowski in that Chaim Bloom has openly said multiple times he wants to have a really collaborative relationship with his field manager. And we've seen so far that that's true in the signings that Chaim Bloom has made. He got Marwin Gonzalez, who played for Alex in Houston. Cora was Kike Hernandez's manager for Team Puerto Rico during the World Baseball Classic. So that that was a huge thing for them. Martin Perez has told me specifically that Alex Cora was the main reason he decided to come back to the Red Sox after having some contract disputes with the Red Sox earlier this offseason. You're seeing a roster that Cora heavily played a hand in constructing. And I think that that speaks both to Cora's skill as a manager of constructing a roster he knows he can work with, as opposed to just coming in and trying to work with what he's given. He's actually making requests of Chaim Loom. And I think that that's going to make a difference just in terms of, you know, the success of the team, because the guys who are here want to be here. And you can't say that about every single MLB team. You can't actually say that about a lot of MLB teams or their players. Absolutely. And I think in a lot of ways, Patriots fans can identify with that because you're in New England to do a job. That's why you're here. You're here because you're buying into that system. And I think it's great insight as well, uh, you know, letting us know exactly what the type of impact that Cora can have and maybe what type of impact he's not expected to have either. It's good to have that balance. And that leads me quite nicely into my final question for you today. And I know a lot of rumblings around the Sox this year, Gabrielle, is that they failed to invest in players on the field. A lot of fans have not forgiven the team for trading away Mookie Betts. And you mentioned watching Tom Brady celebrate a Super Bowl championship with Tampa Bay. It was tough as a Sox fan to see Mookie celebrate with the Dodgers. I love Mookie Betts. I really enjoyed watching him uh, you know, be able to celebrate, but there was a part of me that wishes he was still doing it here in Boston. Andrew Benatendi now gone as well. We're still waiting on word about Jackie Bradley Jr., but that doesn't look promising. 
But the Sox still do have players. You mentioned J.D. Martinez. I loved, by the way, the T-shirt gig. I thought it was great. I thought it still shows that there's a lot of camaraderie between the fans and the players up here in New England. But they still have Xander Bogarts, Erod, hopefully, a return to good health and prominence on the mound. We've even seen hopes about Chris Sale being back at some point. Gabrielle, what's your outlook for uh, the Sox at Fenway this year? What do you expect from them in 2021? You know, I think that at worst, they'll be a 500 team. At best, they will be a wild card team. The latter obviously requires a lot of things to go right for them. You know, you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez and Chris Sale. Those are two of the biggest question marks and two of the biggest linchpins in the success of this team. If Chris Sale can come back sooner rather than later, he can be one of the top starters in the rotation again, hopefully. Eduardo Rodriguez, we have no idea what we're looking at here. Um, I saw yesterday that he had a really good bullpen. He threw a bullpen session that Cora was really happy about. That's great. We don't know what kind of stamina he's going to have. He hasn't pitched in a major league game since the final game of the 2019 season, which I'm still mad about, by the way, because Matt Barnes blew a save that cost Erod his 20th win of the season. But I think if guys like Xander Endeavors can get back into their 2019 AL MVP candidate form and JD can get back into his strong offensive form, if a lot of things go right and this team can work together with the new guys that they've added, because let's be real, this is more new faces than they've added in the last three seasons, pretty much. I think that they have a shot at playing in the wild card game do I think that they could win that wild card game I don't know but after 2020 which I think many of us are ready to just kind of pretend it was like not even a real baseball season I think the Red Sox could surprise a lot of people this year in a good way I'll be specific on that because uh you know surprise could be a very bad thing but yes I think I think this team is going to surprise a lot of people and I'm excited for it well, on behalf of Red Sox Nation, I certainly hope you're right. And I put a lot of faith in your judgment. You covered the team <laughs> honestly and with a great deal of accuracy and spot-on content. So, you know what? I'm rolling with you right now, and I think it's good. And hopefully both of our fan bases will have a little more to celebrate this year than they did last year. Gabrielle, this was a blast. I absolutely I thoroughly enjoyed sharing the microphone with you. We should definitely do this again maybe midsummer, uh, right around the time where the Sox are hitting their stride and the Patriots are opening training camp maybe to do a pulse check uh, on uh, both franchises and their prospects for 2021. But uh, thank you folks for joining us today here on this crossover Locked On Red Sox and Locked On Patriots podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in to that mass hole crossover with Mike DeBate, host of Locked on Patriots. We had such a good time and we're really looking forward to doing more New England crossover content in the future. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at GFSTAR1. You can follow Locked on Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Locked on Patriots at LO underscore Patriots. And you can follow Mike at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C on Twitter. Thanks so much for tuning in. Wear a mask, get psyched for spring training games, and as always and very, very soon, go Red Sox. 